Broadcasting from New York City, the superhero capital of the world, to wherever you are listening to me whisper into your ears, it's Matt and Brett Love Comics. This is one of your hosts, Matt. Hi, this is Brett. That's, uh, that's the other host. Yep. Um, that's the role I play. That's, you know what, but you do it so well. I'm turning, I'm turning to the camera and smiling right now. You're turning away from the microphone. Though. Hey! <laughs> well, it's like all the openings on TGIF shows. Oh, okay. So, like, what would your opening be? Well, I'm like, I'm coming home from school and I'm opening the door and there's a camera in my living room. What? Yeah, so, like, you do an extra lean-in like yeah. you wouldn't normally do God, in that situation. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I feel like I'd do something ridiculous like pop out of a laundry hamper or something. Well, your your character must be the comedy relief. Yeah, yeah. Or the neighbor that no one fucking wants around. Well, I'd be the Waldo Faldo. Oh, God, I love Waldo Faldo. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, oh. So now that we are, like, what, 15 seconds into the show and already going on a Family Matters tangent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as you know, Matt and Brett love comics. It's the show where we take comics and talk comics with comics. Uh, this week is no exception. We have a wonderful guest with us. Uh, he is the co-host of War Rocket Ajax and Movie Fighters. Uh, he writes for Comics Alliance. And he was also the ghost author of the Super Villain Handbook. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show Mr. Matt Wilson. Hi, everybody. Yeah! I'm getting out of the car, and like somebody kind of runs by and, and pranks me. Oh, no. Yes! I look at the camera, and then I look at the camera like this guy. <laughs> yes. Are you like, are you pointing your thumb to like one side? Yeah. Pointing? I'm like, yeah, I'm like the, the Carl Winslow. Yes. Yeah, of the opening credits. Great. Like, I'm just always Definitely put upon. So, Matt Winslow is with us today. Matt Winslow. That's right. <laughs> I guess I, I can be Brett Tanner. Yeah. Because I'm definitely like a DJ or a Stephanie, I would assume. Probably <laughs> Stephanie. Stephanie was the more, she, she had some problems. Actress in real life and also the character. Yeah. All right, guys, let's go back. Let's, <laughs> let's go to 2004 and fill out a which TGIF character survey are you on, on MySpace. Space, yeah. And then, uh. We'll, we'll get this all sorted away immediately. <laughs> so, yeah, we're only talking about apparently TGIF stuff this week on Matt and Brett Love TGIF. Yeah. Yeah, so, Matt, how's everything going in Chicago today? Uh, Chicago is still here. Yeah. Oh, was it's, there, it's still a city. Was there some doubt? <laughs> uh, according to John Hodgman. Oh. Oh, doubt. sure. But uh, it, is, it is still, in fact, a city. It is still here. It is cold because it is November, and that is uh, the way Chicago rolls. It's also wind, and isn't it windy? Don't isn't Chicago notoriously windy? Don't answer. Don't answer be, that. It, Make Brett find out for himself. <laughs> it can be windy. My understanding is that the nickname "the Windy City" uh, actually comes from not the actual weather, but from uh, the hot air that all the politicians spew here. It's a, it's a bit of social commentary. Oh, see nice. See, see, Chicago should really be nicknamed the city with nicknames that don't make immediate sense. Yeah, yeah. Because, because the nickname Second City, the Second City, yeah. is not about uh, it being second in size to New York, because technically it's the third city anyway. Yeah. It's the Second City because... Uh, it is the one. It is the version of Chicago that has been rebuilt after the Great Chicago Fire. Oh, that is. This is, this is another episode of Chicago Facts. <laughs> Chicago Facts. Well, I mean, what, I'm trying to think of like TV shows that were have been set in Chicago. Our Bob Newhart show. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. Oh, Chicago Hope. 
Yeah, there you uh, go. That was a show, Perfect. right? Perfect Strangers? Yeah. Oh. Hello, and how about a little show called Family Matters? That's and, right. Oh, Family Matters. Was that in Chicago? Yeah. Huh. Because uh, um, that just looked Harriet like, Winslow was that just originally... That looked like America to me. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's a rare condition these this day and age. To read any good news on the newspaper page. Is that the Full House theme song or the Family Matters That's the... Because they're interchangeable. That's Family Matters. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Both written by Jesse Franklin. Uh, anyway, uh, it's, it's good having you on the show. I'm sorry that I am so distractible right now. <laughs> oh, I don't know what's happened. Oh, boy. So, uh, so Matt, like, like we mentioned at the top of the show, you are uh, the co-host of a great podcast called War Rocket Ajax. Um, I highly recommend anyone that is not listening to that show and listens to ours, please go check that out. Uh, you and your co-host Chris Sims have a great rapport. Uh, you guys are really fun to listen to, uh, just kind of riff off of each other, and um, you really seem to enjoy each other's company. So, how'd you guys uh, how'd you guys land on the idea of doing the show together? Well, uh, I was not the original co-host. Right. The original co-host was a gentleman by the name of Eugene On, aka. Who is now far too successful. Yeah. As uh, Adam Warrock, yeah. the the rapper who raps about comics but also perhaps uh, family matters, parks or, and recreation, uh, parks and recreation, yeah. lots of uh, television shows and movies and just stuff he thinks is cool and it's all amazing. And uh, he was originally the co-host and that he ended up getting too big. And Chris and I have been friends, comedy pals and Comics Pals for a long time. We actually both worked on the revitalized Cracked magazine in the mid-2000s. Yes! So uh, Jay Pinkerton um, was editing that at the time, right? That is correct. Yeah. And uh, we both were on involved in that for all four issues of it. Yeah. And then uh, also worked on the website and just kind of... I had been reading the ISB before that. Uh, Jay, who I knew through internet comedy, um, so I knew Jay back when he was editing uh, the National Lampoon website, and I wrote a few things for that. At the time. Oh wow! Mm. Um, and so I was trying to do internet comedy writing. Chris was trying to do internet comedy writing. We both got to know Jay and worked for Cracked, and then we got to know each other through that and through me having read the ISB and. Chris started reading my website that eventually led into my supervillain books, which was called the International Society of Supervillains. Yeah. And uh, which was comedy and comics and weird stuff where I would take stills from movies and make comics out of that, like little weird Fumetti comics. <laughs> um, but we got to know each other through that and had just kind of been pals and exchanged emails and talked on Gchat all the time before that. So, we were kind of coming into it as friends. When Huge decided he couldn't do the show anymore, I kind of just came, and they were kind of putting putting out an open call to who wants to be the producer co-host of the show going forward. I was just kind of like, I'll do it, uh, having no idea what actually goes into making a podcast. If I had known, I would have never said yes. I would have <laughs> never suggested it. But uh, as you guys know full well, I'm sure. But. Uh, I started doing it and then I started editing like the first two or three episodes and I was just like, what is this? <laughs> I have, I have lost entire weekends putting together 
weird Christmas episodes about Chris Sims being Scrooge. And, uh, <laughs> but now I'm much better at it and it's way more efficient. And I actually, uh, really, really love doing the show. Um, and it's, it's nice to just spend, uh, a chunk of my Thursday night talking to Chris and a guest about comics mostly, but also whatever the hell we want to talk about. Um, it's, it's a nice thing about the podcast format. Yeah. You can just talk about whatever, like say TGIF. Yeah. See, we've really pigeonholed ourselves with our name. (laughs) It has to come out to comics eventually. Yeah. Ugh. Except for the episode with, was it Winston, where we ended up just talking about Sheryl Crow a lot? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Oasis. And then we sang the Fantastic Four theme song from so, the early 90s. So we brought it back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it back. as long as you get back to there somehow. I mean, <laughs> you know, we had an episode recently where we talked to Greg Rucka. We had Greg Rucka on, but didn't talk about Lazarus really at all, maybe very briefly. Uh, we mostly talked about the 1960s. British television program, The Prisoner. Oh, yeah. Wow. Which is, I mean, I you could talk about that show for an entire podcast. You could start a whole Prisoner podcast. Oh, yeah. I had to avoid that episode because I haven't finished the series. Yeah. Uh, and I, uh, I, I had read so many, now I've read so many different, like, here's an order that you can watch the episodes in. Whoa, whoa, the, whoa. There's, there are different orders? Well, there's. I only know the show is crazy. There's been there's been argument as to what could officially be considered like the actual timeline of the show. Here's a spoiler alert: not about the show, but about our episode about the show. (laughs) Sure. We spend a long time talking about what order the episode should go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Greg Rucka ascribes to the order that the uh, the PBS station in San Francisco used. Oh, okay. Uh, which is also the order that I watched it in, but it, you can tell in certain places, Oh, I have, I'm watching an episode that's too early because they're talking about something that I haven't seen. Yeah. And that's even in like the original order that it was shown in, in Britain where it was just, Oh, they, they shut it out of order to begin with. Yep. Why would they do that? Do they all? Do they also shoot it out of order or write it out, episodes out of order? I but think it was shot, at least partially out of order. And then there's also order. a weird thing where they shot extra episodes uh, to fill to to make it so they had more episodes to show in the United States. Oh right, because because the networks, the the PBS stations in the United States, <laughs> were like, we gotta have more episodes. So that's another weird addendum to it. And then there's, there's like a year between the last couple episodes, right? Because he went to shoot Ice Station Zero. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's Well, there, there's a whole episode without him. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> the Prisoner, there's like tons of weird stuff to figure out on The Prisoner that has nothing to even do with the story. It's just like the production <laughs> is weird and crazy <laughs> to go along with it. Wow. See, that's, I like I like talking to comic book creators about things that are not comics because I feel like that's yeah. you get that you can get that anywhere else. That is what the internet is for in a way. That, I mean, occasionally we do have a Warrock and Ajax episode that is strictly, "Hey, we're talking about your new comic," but the whole idea of the show when we started it was we're just going to talk to comic book creators about whatever they want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and those are my favorite episodes to do. Um, like, although I, I do have to say, maybe my favorite War Rocket Ajax moment ever wasn't that. It was Michael Kupperman actually reading an excerpt from Mark Twain's autobiography. Oh. <laughs> uh, which I, I had to turn my microphone off. <laughs> I was so amused. <laughs> uh, in that moment, I'm I'm the biggest Michael Kupperman fan. Oh uh, man, Tales Designed to Thrizzle is unbelievably, unbelievably funny. Yeah, it's it is my kind of absurdist humor to the letter. Yeah, uh, it just it's and it, like it's not even really something I could attempt if I was trying to write a humor comic. I think I would definitely try to have more like a of a straightforward story. Yeah. It's it like it's so funny. I feel like as I would read it, like I would I would read it and I'd be like this is so funny it feels like it was written by aliens. Like I couldn't <laughs> possibly comprehend how to how to put something together like, like this. Like uh Xenomorph aliens or Third Rock from the Sun aliens? Third Rock from the Sun probably. Okay. Yeah. I don't imagine Xenomorphs getting behind a typewriter. No, no. It's, the kind of the, could, Just imagine John Lithgow falling into being hired by some comics company and he's got to write a comic now. You mean I have to write several issues? I can still write a spec for Third Rock, right? I can still write a spec for that Well, I mean, show, you right? can, but yeah, no I don't know any me. any producer would want to read it. Alright, you write a spec, you take it uh, to a producer, then you lobby Netflix hard there you go. to bring it back for yep. one episode. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have friends that do that do these table reads around the city, they will just write spec scripts for shows for yeah, absolutely no reason. At the pit or who did that? Like they oh. did like a happy days or something? Oh no, 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 no. Wasn't that Even, Justin Tyler or they did that, yeah. yeah. Uh my buddies uh, uh John Townsend and Mitch Fesh wrote a, a a spec for the Bill Engvall show over the summer. <laughs> and we did like a recorded table read of that. It was just insane. That's a, this is a good podcast idea. Yeah. Get comedy writers to write specs of canceled shows and then other comedians to do an audio recording of them. Let's add another let's project. Add, let's add that to project our... to the million projects. <laughs> I, I have thought about writing spec scripts for TV shows, but only because I come up with titles for episodes. Oh, yeah. wow. That's the hardest thing for me. Well, I th- like. I I I des- this is not a canceled TV show. I desperately want to write a spec script for Brooklyn Nine Nine for a Christmas episode called Police Navidad. Ah! <laughs> Shut the front door. Well, that is. I'm trying. I'm gonna. I'm in my head. I'm gonna start writing a Brooklyn Nine Nine. So I will take your idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yay! Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Police sure. Navidad is great. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of uh, speaking of films and stuff too, you guys also uh, host another show called Movie Fighters. That's right. Um, um, yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it, that uh, st- that was what eventually our movie reviews that we were doing on Comics Alliance for yeah a long time uh, sort of evolved into yeah. There was we all the reviews we did on Comics Alliance were of comics-based or at least kind of comics-related movies. Oh, yeah, I read all the X-Men ones. Yeah. We, we wrote a ton of X-Men ones. Yeah. You, did, you guys did Catwoman. We, well, uh, that was when, uh, I think that's when David Mary was still doing it. Oh, okay. Uh, I was not part of that until I chimed in. I said, I have to be part of your Superman 3 <laughs> recap. Because Superman 3 is the most important movie of my life. 
<laughs> so Make I uh, I definitely had to get in there on Superman three in our very uh, uh, counter counter to the general consensus about Superman three in which we all agreed that it was a really fun and <laughs> enjoyable movie. Yeah, uh, because I I still have such amazing memories of Superman three, but. I got in on that one. Then I was part of all the X-Men recaps. I did all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle recaps. Yeah. We did... Uh, we kept asking people if they wanted us to do Punisher recaps, and somehow that didn't happen. Probably the Ooh. furthest removed we ever got from comics was a series of movies that we did based on fighting games. But a lot of those fighting games ended up appearing as comics like Street Fighter and yeah. World Combat and stuff. Right. But in the middle of that, there was that month that Comics Alliance didn't exist. Yeah. Because yes. AOL shut it down. If if there are listeners who don't know the story about what happened to Comics Alliance, AOL shut it down the, the first day of C2E2 when what? I was sitting in a panel room getting ready to cover a Marvel panel for Comics Alliance. Oh, yeah. And I got a message from one of the editors that just said, "Oh yeah, don't don't worry about uh, covering C two B two. Comics Alliance is shut down." I I was at I was in Portland, uh, Oregon, um, visiting my friend Jim Gibbons, who's an editor at Dark Horse. We were going to Stumptown, and we were like meeting up with Caleb Gullner, uh, one of the editors of Comics Alliance. Yeah. And we were like, "Hey, we're gonna meet you. We're gonna meet you for lunch." He was like, "Okay, cool. I just have to do this conference call real quick. I'll I'll meet you guys for lunch." And then we were like, we just like farted around town, like waiting for Caleb to be ready. And then all of a sudden, he was like, "No guys." <laughs> so uh, yeah. that was so, a bad conference call. Yeah. Was, no um, lunch. Yeah. No, it was actually Caleb who sent me the message <laughs> while I was sitting there waiting for the Marvel panel oh. to start. It was. I mean, it was. It was. It was a horrible news. I was really. I mean, uh, looking back, like everything turned out fine-ish from the outside. Yeah. At least it looks good. Yeah, yeah. That, that's good. Um, but it was. I think. I mean, being at a C two E two when you found out that news. I mean, did you still go to and enjoy the rest of the con? Because it was Friday. Like that was like the well, top of the con, wasn't it? Here's the here's the crazy part about it. I was told, and I don't think these guys will mind if I say this. I was told not to let on. Yeah, <laughs> because it, there was no official announcement. AOL might be might uh, shut us down even more if, if I, yeah, <laughs> or, or you know, the, like bad things could happen if I go blabbing to people at the convention about it. Yeah. A police officer, a, a, a yellow stick figure, dresses a police officer comes in and yeah. arrests you for talking about <laughs> it. Yeah, like the a, a, just a big bubble pops yeah. up in front of me and it goes blah, 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 stop <laughs> stop. <laughs> Uh, but I, uh, so I had to pretend for the rest of the con that I was still working for Comics Alliance, that it was still a Comics Alliance to work for, even though anybody who was paying attention to me would have noticed that I was not taking pictures of the cosplayers. I was not going to panels. (laughs) I was just farting around trying to talk to people that I liked and, uh, and just, you know, wasting time at the con mostly. But, uh, that's a... That's a crazy side story. So <laughs> while Comics Alliance was shut down for a month, because it was eventually picked up by another company, and now it's all fine. But for that month that it was shut down, uh, all of us who were freelancing for them were kind of scrambling to find any other kind of freelance stuff to do. 
So I landed a gig at uh, another sh- site that shut down, MTV Geek. And, yeah. uh, and then um, Chris and I decided we kind of tried to find some places to run our movie reviews, but they're so idiosyncratic and long and weird that people were kind of like, oh, we don't know what we would do with this. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they were like, the, they're funny. They're funny kind of re- recaps of movies, but they're super long and they kind of get into details and they're really into like comics details and we don't know what we would do with them. So we were just like, okay, we're totally testing some strange waters with this, but what if we made it into a podcast where we watch the movie and then we talk about it after that, we kind of recap it, but talky instead of righty, and we charge a dollar for it on Bandcamp. And we both kind of said, okay, we'll give it a shot. It may not work at all. We'll see. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, we're having a lot of fun with it. It's, it takes, it is much shorter to do time-wise than those written re- uh, reviews, yeah. which oh, would yeah. eat up an entire afternoon slash evening. This is talk for 15 minutes about a movie before we start watching it, watch an hour and a half to two hours of a movie, and then talk about it for another hour after that. Um, so it, it goes a little bit faster and I actually think listening to us talk about the movie, it is a little bit funnier because you, you hear our immediate reactions to, uh, you know, Tekken, the movie, which is the worst, uh, or, or, you know, we'll watch monster squad and say, Oh, monster squad's fun. So yeah, we're, we're having fun doing it the audio way instead of the righty way. Now, I know you guys, too, you guys have done a, a few of my favorite uh, bad movies. I'm a, I'm a big bad movie fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you guys did No Holds Barred, Miami Connection. Yeah. Um, the, have you ever seen the, uh, the special features on the Blu-ray for Miami Connection, by the way? I have not. I've only seen it, the, the Netflix version i should definitely buy the blu-ray here's the thing if you could buy it digitally too and it comes with the soundtrack which why wouldn't you want to own it and of course and and it and (laughs) you can get all the a digital bundle of the special features with like a an hd copy of a a digital copy of the film but what's amazing is they they show there's like this um retrospective mini doc where they interview a bunch of the guys from the movie and um Except for, uh, except for what's his name, the 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 crazy old Asian man that like financed it and everything. Um, yeah, yeah. He like he's still excited about it. Everyone else is like slightly embarrassed to be on camera. And <laughs> the guy that was the lead guitarist and lead singer that like wrote all the music is like still like super bitter about a bunch of stuff that happened on set. <laughs> But, like, now he's, like, older and, like, bald and fatter, and he's, like, you know, um, we would, like, I didn't get a lot of good lines because, like, we would do a take and we didn't really have a script. That's the one thing that, the one constant that everyone's, like, we didn't really have a script. And, uh, and he's, like, so we would improvise a line and I'd make something up and it'd be really funny. But then we'd do another take, and then Jim would say what I said in the last take. So then I had to think of something else that couldn't think of anything, because coming up with stuff's hard. But, like, that's why I don't have any, because he stole everything. It's like, oh, man. Pick your battles, buddy. 
<laughs> the thing about Miami Connection, and I'm in some ways I'm glad I haven't seen that, uh, or at least I hadn't seen those special features before I actually watched the movie for Movie Fighters. Yeah. Because throughout watching it the first time, I was convinced that this was a movie that was made like last year. Oh, like a kitschy type of like... Yeah, because yeah. like, it is so on the nose. Like, if you didn't know that it was made at the time it was made... Yeah. And you, you won't... I mean, you only have to see a picture of the cast to see, okay, yes, it is actually from the 80s. But if you didn't know it was made in the 80s and you were watching it, it is so pitch-perfect satire parody of those kinds of movies. Yeah. You would think that, like, oh, this is all on purpose. But it isn't. <laughs> it's not. It's not. This, was the, these, this was a series of the best ideas that they had when they were doing their best to make a film. Yes. <laughs> Which is the same kind of reaction that we had to... We're in the middle of watching the two Insane Clown Posse movies. Oh, oh yeah. Hustlers and Rustlers? Wait, hold on. Yeah. They have scripted movies? Oh, yeah. Okay, because I've only seen well, Family Underground. Scripted, scripted is a generous term. Okay. Yeah. Is this by Juggalos for Juggalos? It is the, the, the only credited screenwriter on the first one, which is Big Money Hustlers, which is the, the one we have watched for the show, is Violent J. But, but using his, but using his real name, which is Joseph, I can't remember. Joseph Violent. <laughs> yeah, Joseph Petticoat. Uh, but he, uh, the the whole story behind the script to Big Money Hustlers is that he wrote it in a week. Like, That's not like a point of pride. Guys, That's not a point of pride. These guys decided. I don't know. Getting things done. I'm, I applaud him for just getting <laughs> no, something no, completed. I, I take it back. It wasn't a week. It was a month. Because okay. That's still fast. Yeah, oh yeah. Because we talked about this. Okay, these guys decided they wanted to make a movie. This, this is the, the story of Insane Clown Posse. Two guys deciding they want to do something and then doing it. Yeah. yeah. And people buying it. <laughs> well, these, guys, these guys decided they wanted to make a movie. Violent J wrote a script in a month. Filming, they got money from Def Jam, which they were on a major label at the time this movie was made. Wow. Yep. They got money from Def Jam to actually make this movie. It was done filming in two months. These guys decided they wanted to have a movie, make a movie. Three months later, they had a movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh. And that's even considering that the crew went on strike twice. <laughs> oh, God. Uh. Uh, I love... I, there, there was like this rush of hubris in the late 90s, early aughts, where... where um, Rappers and people around the hip hop industry decided that they could make movies yep. like Big Money Hustlers. Have you ever seen Baller Blocking? I've not seen that one. I Who have seen Belly. Oh, oh, Belly. Yeah, yeah. Which is a movie that is entirely blue? Yes. Hype, Hype Williams, Hype Williams channeling uh, uh, Picasso or, or something. The weirdest <laughs> lighting I have ever seen in a film. Yeah. What, rap, what rapper uh, are, stars in Belly? There are so many rapper movies from that era. It is it is astonishing. Belly Belly is DMX and Nas. Yeah, um, yeah. Baller blocking DMX. Baller blocking is the Cash Money Millionaires. Okay. Uh, it's fifty minutes long. It is insane, and it ends with a to be continued that has yet to be continued. <laughs> There's also a Master P, very similar Master P movie. Oh yeah! Oh, I've seen. Oh, I've seen some Master P movies. Yeah, Wait, which is on... well, this is not like Hall if you hear me or uh, 
I got the hook. I got the hook. Up. I got the hookup. Was the was that movie? There was a first movie that I cannot remember the title of, but it was actually the inspiration for all of these movies, like Big Money Hustlers. Yeah, I think it was called Big Ballers. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right because uh, I think he, uh, he right around that time they were also obsessed with releasing everything as a double album. Yeah, I think the soundtrack is a double album on that as well. See, at this time is when I was super, super into Weezer, so I was as far away from this as you can get. (laughs) Meanwhile, on the other side of the spectrum... (laughs) Brett's going to Hot Topic to find new Weezer buttons. Yeah. Um, There's a a film that that is on Netflix that I highly recommend called Internet Dating. Internet Dating. I've watched the first 12 minutes. um, Isn't Cat Williams in it? Starring Cat Williams. Directed by Master P. Written, written by by Lil Romeo. Lil Romeo. Lil Romeo. It so, is. How, uh, it's exactly what you think it would be. Yeah. How old is Lil Romeo? He to was be writing movie scripts. He is old right? enough to make me feel ashamed for not having written a movie yet. Yeah, he's in his <laughs> like he's in his mid twenties at this point. But I, I think I was doing research. I think what it was was like he had a film writing class in college. And wrote this. I had a film writing class in college. Yeah, but your dad's not a multi-millionaire. My dad's not Mr. P. My dad worked at Nissan. <laughs> your dad's not Mr. P. <laughs> Mr. P. He's Mr. <laughs> My dad is Mr. W. He's Mr. White. That's right. Um. So, anyways, yeah, I uh, that that's that's great. So, you guys, what do you guys have coming up for movie fighters? Well, we have the next Insane Clown Posse movie, right. uh, which is Big Money Rustlers. Which opens Which, with uh, Scott Hall drunkenly sitting in front of uh, a small western town, right? Oh, jeez. Yes, I, I hope and pray that they learn something about making movies in a decade. Because Big Money Hustlers is... is, is uh, I, I hesitate to call it a movie. Oh, <laughs> Matt, if you're praying about that, you're about to find out there's no God. <laughs> well, look, look. Uh, our, our pain... Is is what sells that show? Oh yeah! So to hear that the movie is is awful is one not surprising, and two, uh, totally fine. <laughs> I I uh, we don't necessarily have the next. Well, December is going to be our Christmas month or yes. our holiday movies month, and we're going to do a couple holiday movies that we're just going to let people vote on. We like to just ask for suggestions. Like we did a whole series of wrestler. Movies. Oh, I'm a big wrestling guy. I love that. And uh, we got a ton of suggestions that were movies that were so obscure that we could not find them. Oh. Like the, uh, a, a Rowdy Roddy Piper movie called Body Slam. Oh, which Body also Slam! Which a ton of other uh, wrestlers in it. <laughs> I've seen that, yeah. Uh, the guy that um, played Dirk in uh, uh, A-Team stars in that. Or, yeah. yeah, his name's Dirk Benedict? Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I read a ton about it, but I, we couldn't find a decent way to watch it. Basically, if it's not available on DVD on Netflix, we can't get it. Oh, yeah. sure. Because uh, you don't have those those VHS video stores anymore where you just walk in and they have just whatever VHS tapes the manager decided to buy. Oh, yeah. Whatever you, week. You look for like the most, fla- the, the, the most sun-faded clamshell case. Yeah. Yes, and you're like that's gonna be the one, or the ones that when no. they had the 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 cardboard cases, but they had like the plastic overlay, like the hard plastic, like and you'd squeeze it at the sides to shake the VHS tape out. Yeah, yeah, was... or 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 better yet, the hard clamshell case that is not the official movie case, but one that's just like it was just black. Yes, and then the manager printed out yeah. a picture of the cover and slipped <laughs> yeah. it in there. <laughs> we. Uh, 
I'm from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which is a big college town. We had a, we I feel like every college town has the video store. Yeah. And we had Video Culture, which had like every Criterion and every shitty horror movie. Like they had this huge range of things. But I remember we went on there in Halloween, and we wanted to rent Ernest Scared Stupid, and the manager looked at us like. We don't have earnest movies here. <laughs> like, gave he us said that in earnest. So much shade, and it's like fucking earnest is from like Tennessee is where he died, man. Yeah, like yeah, earnest it's, uh, is... it's it's it hits too close to home. <laughs> like, like <laughs> it, how dare you be it, ashamed of earnest? You carry earnest movies. Damn in, Murfreesboro, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, we are all earnest. We are all Vern. Yeah, yeah we are all Vern, we and earnest spoke to us. Uh, but I, I. Uh, Talking about upcoming movies, we've got a couple of um, a couple of Christmas movies coming up. I've been recommended a couple of things that I would really like to watch. Uh, one is a movie that's on Netflix that's called Undefeated Three. Oh my god! Have you ever seen the first Undefeated? I've only been recommended Undefeated Three. Okay. <laughs> okay. Skip to the third one. Yeah. Uh, because that apparently that's the only one that's available on Netflix. Okay. Uh, and it it is uh, about the bad guy from the second undefeated movie. <laughs> he is now the hero of the third one. <laughs> uh, and then this is not something I, I think we will ever do on Movie Fighters unless we do it for one of our special free episodes. We occasionally do free episodes where we will watch an episode of a cartoon. Oh. Yeah, we have done an episode of the Street Fighter cartoon, and we've done an episode of um, the Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Oh man. I was so obsessed with that show. <laughs> it, it, the, I did not realize how terrible every wrestler's voice is. Yeah. <laughs> but they are all so bad. Uh, but one thing that I would recommend to anyone who is a fan of like crazy, crazy, obscure, weird stuff, and this is so much of the Netflix era, it is an actual Netflix film. Oh, wow. Go on Netflix. And search for something called Example Show. Yes, wait. I've, yeah, wait, go, keep talking, but I've done this, I think. Okay, <laughs> Example Show is this crazy Dadaist insanity that is clearly just Netflix testing yeah. its streaming. Yes. Where it's just a long shot of a fountain and then a guy reciting uh, some Shakespeare. And oh, then after, I, I kind of don't want to give away the surprise of what happens after he recites Shakespeare. Uh, Matt, uh, can you read the uh, the tagline or the description on oh, Netflix? I'm going to read the full description as it's written on on Netflix. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. listeners, uh, listen intently. It is <clears throat> an example of a show. 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 <laughs> An example of a show. Now, that sounds like weird filler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's right? It's actually a perfect description of example show. Well, yeah. at least the creator is creator, and the cast is actress and actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's only an equal opportunity. And there are two episodes. Yeah, I don't know how I found... Like, I would sometimes go on these Netflix like rabbit holes of just like similar movies like finding a talking dog movie and then just <laughs> going to similar like just similar movie movieing it just all the way yep. down to where you get some weird there was some weird like angel dog starring Rue McClanahan like from the 90s I don't know okay um, there's a there's a movie uh with um oh I, I'm blanking on her name now uh Juno 
Oh, Ellen Page? Ellen Page. There's a movie with Ellen Page called Ghost Cat. Yeah. That I'm yeah. obsessed with, but I'm afraid to watch. <laughs> Why? The expectations of Ghost Cat. <laughs> I mean, I, I watched I watched a couple. I watched a, a bunch of dog movies. I can't remember anything about them, though. Uh, they're all horrible. I mean, I also watched a talking cat. Like, <laughs> well, excuse me, a talking cat? A talking cat? <laughs> That's how you have to pronounce it. You gotta, you gotta have that uh, that intero bang at the end. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I I highly recommend if uh, if you are looking for suggestions for Christmas, I don't know if you've ever seen Silent Night Deadly Night. I know, I know that that movie is, if not on Netflix, on some streaming service that we could use. There's an amazing uh, there's an amazing song in the movie. Uh, the chorus goes, "It's always Christmas on the warm side of the door." Meaning, if you're homeless, oh, or God. you're out in the street, fuck you. You don't get Christmas. <laughs> it's so lovely. <laughs> um, it's, it's incredible. It's the spirit of Scrooge. Yeah, <laughs> uh, coming through. I we one movie we have talked about for Christmas is the the actual Tim Allen, the Santa Claus. Oh, yes, yeah. good good stuff. Great stuff. Not great stuff. Not, not great stuff. <laughs> well, because Chris and I both have expressly detailed how much we hate that movie <laughs> yeah well then you have to do it yeah i mean it's it's but we we know why we hate it and and it's a, a lot of it's just because this is a movie that starts with the lead character i mean it's accidental still yeah. it is a movie that starts with the the manslaughter of santa claus yeah yeah how does he kill it, him again does he like knock his ladder over or something he falls off the roof and I think is also electrocuted. Jeez, that's gruesome. It is. It's gruesome. I remember seeing that movie with a church youth group. My nephew. The whole theater was silent when Santa Claus was murdered. <laughs> or oh, I believe it. My nephews became obsessed with like Santa Claus three, inexplicably. So like they watch that movie over and over again every Christmas. Okay. Is that the one with Martin Short? <clears throat> Yes, as like Jack Frost, as a yeah. frosty frost type character. Yeah, right, uh, right. Did you? Um, I mean, just to we don't have to get back into comics, but now I kind of do want to know. <laughs> uh, have you ever read the Marvel holiday special like anthologies that they did in the early nineties and all that? Have any of us uh, read those? Because oh, I, yeah. I went on a I went on a buying spree last year of like buying all of them, and they're all insane. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, they're they're weird. I I got more into the the kind of later holiday specials that are actually like enjoyable and good and have good uh, holiday stories in them. Oh, like, <laughs> which ones are those? Um, there's there's one. I want to say it was like the DC holiday special in 2009 or 2008. Okay. Um, that has a really great uh, Superman Christmas story in it, and I'm drawing a blank on what on anything about it. Cause those are the kinds of comics that I just read them and I'm like, okay. And then I'm done. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forget everything that happens. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, can't, I read but, all those. Uh, last year. I can't remember. Uh, those, yeah. Those early 90 Christmas specials are just bunkers. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I know there was one that was like a hardcore, like Punisher revenge story. And like, a oh, Chris, yeah. in the Christmas special. <laughs> like, I, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, there wasn't really anything Christmassy about this. I think he just killed a bunch of people on Christmas Eve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the thing. Uh, but we really, we need to read those, uh, for a Christmas episode. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming you're super into Christmas. 
I'm sorry, say that again. I'm, I'm assuming you're super into Christmas. Not as much as Chris. Okay. Chris Sims is is the, like the king of Christmas. Well, he, he does like a countdown is, every year, and yeah, he he cannot get enough of it. I am a fan, but compared <laughs> to him, I'm I'm a dim light uh, on Christmas. <laughs> what are your uh, What are you, I mean? Chris Sims is a big Batman fan. Yeah. Uh, what are your What are your What are your hero jams? What do you jam out to? Uh, I would say probably my Batman is. My equivalent of Chris Sims' Batman is Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, I was always into Spider-Man, except for when I was... Well, I kind of had that... I don't know if a lot of people had this experience, but my comics experience was that I was way, way into them when I was super little and was just learning to read. Yeah. And Because uh, my brother, who is considerably older than me, almost nine years older than me, was really into, like, this was, like, right after Batman 89, comics were about to hit that big early 90s spike, and my brother was not only way into comics, he was into way into, like, comics as an investment. So he was <laughs> buying multiple copies of Jim Lee, X-Men number one, and when Image rolled around, he was buying all the Image stuff, and he was buying Rob Liefeld stuff. And then occasionally he was buying just like comics that he liked and, and reading them, like some Spider-Man stuff and other things. Oh, he was way into buying Death of Superman. I was way into Superman at that time, largely because of Superman 3. <laughs> and uh, so I, I had like my Superman pajamas. I was watching Superman all on you know Superman 3 all the time. And buying any comic that I saw that either had Superman or maybe some of those other DC characters in it. So I, I was like four and a half years old, five years old, trying to read Suicide Squad. No, oh, I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> uh, just like not getting it. Just like, hmm, this is a comic book. I should probably know what's happening. And I just cannot get through it. So I went through a period after that of kind of falling out of comics a little bit. And after I, the, the train of 90s Marvel cartoons started up, yeah. alongside Batman the Animated Series, that started me getting me back into comics, and particularly Spider-Man. I was a huge fan of that 90s Spider-Man cartoon, for better or worse. Yeah. And th- then I was, at that point, I was just like, Spider-Man is it for me, man. I'm too in Spider-Man. So I just started buying up every Spider-Man comic. First, the ones that were at the grocery store, because it was not that long ago that you could buy comics at the grocery store. And then I started going to my local comic shop and really, really being super invested in buying Spider-Man. I remember getting, like, like pitching a fit in the comic shop because they did not have a copy of spectacular Spider-Man number 250. Oh yeah. Which was the like big return of Norman Osborn. He's the green goblin again stuff. So I, you know, Spider-Man was my jam and I continually bought all the Spider-Man books, even the really, really awful miniseries of the two thousands that, you know, Ron Zimmerman was writing. And oh, man, Oh, like, uh, what, like, Get Craven? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get Craven Maybe the worst of the bunch. Oh, that was such a bad book. I, dude, I completely forgot about Ron Zimmerman's time in comics and 
Too yeah. Long. Oh man. I don't remember who wrote Spider Man Sweet Charity. That one was really bad. I think he did. I think he wrote that too. Yeah, there were, the Ron Zimmerman ones were the ones I remember being super bad. There's one that is actually written by Greg Rucka called Spider Man Quality of Life that he disavows. <laughs> oh, but that, but that I own every issue of. <laughs> yeah, um, it wasn't like didn't Car Andrews or someone do art on that? It's like CGI art. Yeah, three D computer-generated art that looks super dated. It looked super dated then. Yeah. Um, and it's a lizard story. <laughs> the making of brilliance. Yes. And it, but it was, only, it was only until somewhere around the middle of the JMS run on Amazing Spider-Man that I, did, that I decided I was not going to buy a Spider-Man comic for the first time in like... 13 years. Oh, wow. Wow. Because um, I bought them all. I read them all. If if you want to know, I can tell you about Spider-Man, particularly that era of Spider-Man, front to back. Um, so he's like he's definitely my guy. Um, I, I'm not quite as super, super invested in that now as I was then. But I still, it's still like the character that I keep up with kind of more adamantly than anybody else. Yeah. Um, like I've been, you know, I read Superior. I'm on Superior all the time. I dip in and out of like Superior foes, even though I love the art on that book. Um, I, I mean, it's a great book. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was reading that on the train this morning and there's a scene in the new issue that uh, made me laugh like an idiot out loud. Yeah. Um, and that 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 book has done that to me several times. Yeah. I, I really I really love that. And I think Superior's been. I think Superior Spider Man itself too has been great. Um, I like. I I don't know. I was not. I was not offended or upset by the idea of them uh, killing Peter Parker last year and putting Auk in his body because you know he's gonna come back. Yeah. Uh, and I was interested to see what Slot was going to do with it, and he clearly has a handle on it and has an end game in mind. Um, and yeah. I think it's been I think it's been fascinating. Um, I think it's been fascinating to watch him try to build a moral compass and then watch it slowly crumble. Yeah. the The only thing I would say is is maybe not a feather in Superior Spider Man's cap is. How I, I don't know if this is a, a by virtue of Marvel's publishing schedule, where books come up come out so often. Oh yeah. Or it's by virtue of the fact that they may be stretching out the Doc Ock story a little too long. Because um, you know this is a that's a premise that can last a finite amount of time. Sure. And then once you reach that finite amount of time, the goodwill of the readership quickly falls away. I mean, that's that's the clone saga. I was just kidding. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and so I, I don't think this is in any way comparable to the clone saga. It's not that kind of, you know, gigantic clusterfuck. But it is like one of those premises where it's like there's the audience is going to reach a point where they're like, okay, I'm finished. Right. And, and I want yeah. to back. That'll probably be, you know, April 2014. Yeah, like, yeah. I t- yeah. That's pretty smart thinking. Uh, <laughs> That's what it seems that, like too. I mean, they've aren't, isn't it about on issue thirty? 
Like, haven't they? It's kind of like it'll be it'll be there at that time. It kind of it's like they realized. Oh wait a second! We're making this really huge change to a status quo, and we have a movie coming out in a year. Yeah. Uh, let's put a book out every other week. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's also that thing where you can tell it's getting to the end of it. Like it, it's that ramp up to, okay, this may be the real thing that is like the end of this. Yeah. yeah. Um, but <laughs> my one complaint about what they've done with it, or what slot and his many artists have done with it is that occasionally they've had to repeat themselves. And I think that's just part of the nature of comics. Like you got to repeat yourself in comics. Oh yeah. But uh, you know, there's been more than one time where there's kind of been that tease where it's like, Oh, Peter's Peter's not totally dead. Oh yes, he is. (laughs) Oh, maybe not. Oh yes, he is. Yeah. Oh no, no, he still is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where they're going right now, the last couple issues, I, I don't know. I like, I like trying to guess too. It's a sickness, uh, and it's been it's been fun because I, I I feel like I've had a couple ideas as to how he could possibly end it, and then something will happen in the book, and I'll be like, oh well, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I am I am really interested in the idea of I really like the idea of Norman Osborn. Slash kind of the goblin as the face of a movement. Yeah. Uh, or or uh, cult leaders maybe a little too far, but sort of that. Because, um, you know, when they first, when Brand New Day started, and it was, hey, we're going to do that Norman and Harry thing again. Right. I liked that. I actually liked everything right at the beginning of Brand New Day that yeah. they were doing a lot. I mean, that that, that maybe two-year period in Spider-Man comics is, like, some of the best Spider-Man, modern Spider-Man comics. Oh, yeah, yeah. But this new direction that they're taking Norman Osborn in, it feels like sort of the whole idea of superior Spider-Man is, okay, what can we do that's different? Um, and, and it feels like they're doing that with Norman Osborn. They certainly did it with Spider-Man and Doc Ock. Um, and I like it. I mean, I like, I wrote a couple of reviews for comics Alliance right as superior was getting started. And my basic argument was, yeah, you can get mad that Peter Parker is dead, but this is something different. This is yeah. something different that you're reading in comics. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good. Cause there are still f- like 50 years of Peter Parker being down in his luck and like you know, fighting his rogues gallery. There, all those comics still yeah. exist, and there are a ton of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so cool it, people. <laughs> uh, but speaking of like you know supervillains and whatnot, I think I feel like we should talk about the book you uh... that that was orally dictated to you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that was that I was locked in a cell mm-hmm. in a dank dungeon and uh, told what to write. Or occasionally just, you know, given a topic and told, uh, come up with some stuff about this. And if it's, if it's not readable or I don't like it, uh, you will be, uh, you know, put in hard labor for a week. <laughs> we are, uh, of course, speaking of the supervillain handbook and the supervillain, uh, supervillain? Supervillain. It's like a vaudevillian. Yeah. Uh, supervillain field manual as well. So uh, what, what sort of... Uh, Sparked the idea for that. Uh, Aside from getting kidnapped, obviously. That's right. right. Aside from the, <laughs> uh, the the actual what actually happened, 
which was that I was forced at gunpoint. <laughs> the, the, news, the newspaper where I used to work was invaded by King of William PhD. He asked, hey, does anybody here read comics? And I raised my hand, and then I did not know what happened for the next four months of my life. Really? <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Yes. Uh, but the, the story that is not that <laughs> is that uh, when I was – I had kind of finished it Cracked. This yeah. was maybe 2008-ish. Uh, I, was, I, I was finished at Cracked. I – the magazine had gone under, the management was tra- changing, and this was when they were going through their transition from kind of pure comedy pieces to nothing but lists. Yeah. And and lists that weren't humor as much as, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with, well, I didn't know that. But that is not my bag. Like, that is not my kind of stuff to write. Yeah. So I decided that I was going to kind of start my own thing where I could write comedy and whatever the hell else I wanted to, maybe about comics as well. And so I also had this necessity to not write under my name because I was working at a newspaper. I wanted, this was during the election. So this might've been a seven, and I wanted to do some some stuff about the election where I was going to say, who's more of a supervillain, this candidate or this candidate? Ah, okay. And so that's, like, that's the kind of stuff I wanted to do. I knew that if I was writing under my name, even though it is the most common name you could yeah. imagine, Matt Wilson, that my bosses might Google this and see my name and say, oh, you're fired. So right. I was like, okay, I want to write under a different name. I want to have kind of an interesting gimmick and, you know, I want this site to be, I want it to be able to house all the stuff that is my interest. So I came up with this idea to call the site the International Society of Supervillains and that I would write everything there under this nom de plume of King Oblivion PhD, which is the most shoestring Allusion to Doctor Doom, you could imagine. <laughs> people recently, people have been asking me if that name is a David Bowie reference, and boy, do I wish it was that sophisticated. <laughs> it, is, it is just here are some different words for Doctor Doom. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I I started writing under that pseudonym, and eventually, as I started doing more and more stuff on the site, I kind of developed this voice for the character. Which is is me, but with the morality removed and the ego times like twenty. Yeah. And so, but and and kind of the the condescension ramped up a lot too. Yeah. I have some of that already. I have a lot of contempt, <laughs> but not as much condescension and and huge huge ego. Like all the insecurity is gone. So. I really started enjoying writing as this guy and sort of out of the blue in the middle of operating the site, I, I kind of thought, I think I have a lot to say as him. I think I could write something that is kind of a guide to being a supervillain with the intent of not actually teaching anybody anything <laughs> with, with these like terrible contradictory, uh, tips and and this these stories that 
maybe happened and maybe didn't, and I mentioned characters that maybe exist and maybe don't. Like he's the most unreliable narrator on the planet. <laughs> yeah. And I I just sat down and I pounded out this thing um, that ended up being the Supervillain Handbook that I initially self published. Self published is this thing called uh, Hate You Forever, and. I tried to shop it around to agents. None of the agents were having it and waited a year and a half, maybe um, to self publish it kind of. And that sort of went okay. It was only when I met uh, someone here in Chicago after I moved to Chicago, who is uh, an author named Scott Kennemore who writes books about zombies and I had also been a part of the fake AP style book yeah. who is a group of guys that wrote a book called uh, write more good. Yep. Which is what Chris Sims is also a part of. Um, there are a ton of like, you would never know that that book was all comics dudes or dudes who are into comics. We all are. <laughs> um, there, there's enough Batman jokes in that book that I guess you would, but <laughs> I had written that book or co-written that book with a bunch of other guys. And I had this other thing and I went to a birthday party for a one-year-old. The best kind. The best kind. <laughs> uh, a friend who also worked at that old newspaper and who now lives here in Chicago and invited me to their kid's birthday party. And while I was there, I met Scott and we just started talking and he was talking about his books and I was talking about write more good. And I mentioned the supervillain book I wrote and he kind of just said to me, Oh, my editors would love that email it to them. Oh. And he gave me their email address. I emailed it to them and they said, oh yeah, yeah, we'll publish this. So that's oh, how Skyhorse ended up publishing the Supervillain Handbook. And it kind of got remade somewhat, even though that King Oblivion PhD voice is still exactly the same. Yeah. I, I can just sit down and write as that guy. I, it's almost scary how easy it is for me to just slip into this sarcastic, mean Supervillain guy. Uh-huh. Um, cause he is, uh, all I have to do is kind of flip a switch and I am, I am writing as this guy. Um, so that's the long version of how it all happens and where the idea came from. It was kind of accidental where I had to create this persona to not get caught as me writing this stuff. And then he became his own thing. Yeah. So what, um, do you, do you feel like, uh, now you've, you've written a second book. As uh, as as Oblivion as well, and do do you feel like you have more ideas? Like, is this something that you want to continue to? Do you want to continue to write under that, doing strictly uh, strictly books, or do you feel like you could take that character and other into other realms? Well, the 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 first two books are both how to guides, like strictly how to guides. and the way I always describe it is the handbook is beginner. The field manual is intermediate because, you know, the handbook is all about what's your costume. What's your villain name? Yeah. What's your headquarters? Who's your arch nemesis? And then the field manual is more about how do you conquer a city? How do you, <laughs> uh, you know, how do you develop your master plan? What do you do about money? Stuff like that. Yeah. The next book would seem to be advanced, right? It would seem to be like the expert level. Right. And uh, I'm actually talking to my publisher now about it. We're kind of talking out the idea. That's sort of what it is. 
and it's sort of not. It's uh, it it maybe takes it a little bit in more of a story direction. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't know. I don't really want to give too much away, but uh, it's it's sort of King Oblivion PhD saying, "All right, you've learned all this stuff. The next step is, are you good enough to replace me?" Mm, nice. Um, and so th- and so that's that's where it starts going after that. Or I should say, bad enough to replace me. Yeah. One of the running gags in both books is that anytime I use a word that is a form of good, I put in parentheses bad. Yeah. <laughs> because anytime somebody says good, in this case, they actually mean bad. Um, but yeah, that's that's the that's the working idea is that it's going to be okay. There can only be one expert, and I'm him. So if you're going to be an expert, you you have to replace me. So that's that's a starting point for what the next one's going to be. Um, and I've thought about you know ideas for maybe comic stuff with him or other side stories in that world um, that could be kind of more narrative. Yeah. And that that could happen, though. You know, that's sometime in the in the future. I want to get a a. A set of three of these books finished, and then if there's more to do with this guy and his universe, uh, I'm sure it'll happen. But we'll just have to see. That's awesome. That's super. I'm impressed. I'm impressed when people get things done. This thing that I'm <laughs> just like Insane Clown Posse. Yeah, you just do things. <laughs> you're you're the the ICP of ghostwritten <laughs> supervillain manuals. Yeah, that's right. I, I wear that as a badge of honor. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, it was really great uh, talking to you. Yeah, um, I appreciate talking to you guys and being on your show so much. This has been a lot of fun. I love talking about terrible movies and <laughs> TGIF and also myself. Those are three of my favorite things. And Spider-Man. So four of my favorite things. Yeah, I think our <laughs> Venn diagrams lap pretty uh, overlap pretty well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, where can everyone uh, find you on the internets? If they want to know more about the world of Matt Wilson. Uh, there are so many places, but the the place to kind of get all of me in one place where I link all my stuff is Twitter. Uh, you can go on Twitter and find me at HighMindedMW. Um, I link to War Rocket Ajax there. I link to any stuff I write for Comics Alliance that I actually like. Yeah. I write for, or I link to, you know, my Tumblr stuff, all of that. Um, but... If you want to find War Rocket Ajax, that's just at warrocketajax.com. We're on iTunes. Movie Fighters, the movie podcast we talked about, that's at moviefighters.bandcamp.com. Uh, I'm at comicsalliance.com. I'm on Tumblr at superheroeswearingjackets.tumblr.com. And uh, sometime in the very near future, I'm, there's no actual date yet, and I don't know how much I can say about it, but uh, I'm working on a comic a digital comic that is a version of a web comic I used to have called Copernicus Jones. Cool. Um, so that is on the way probably sometime next year. And I think that's, I think that's all I have going on right now. That's it. It's a terrible thing that I can't remember my own projects. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, great. Um, well now we're going to tell all of our listeners what we're reading next week on our next book club episode. 
uh, which will be Winter Soldier. Yeah, we're going to be reading the first arc of Winter Soldier. Was it issues one through six? One through five. One through five. The longest Winter by... Oh, good. Only five issues. Yes, thank God. Uh, by Ed Brubaker, Butch Geis, and Betty Brightweiser on colors. Yeah. Uh, really excited to dig into this. I've never read the uh, Winter Soldier stuff, and you've been uh, gaga about it for a while. Oh, yeah. I've been Lady gaga all over the place about <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, uh, I think that means something different than you think it yeah, does. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in purchasing Winter Soldier number one through five, The Longest Winter, you can visit mattandbrettlovecomics.com and buy printing through the Amazon links in the episode show notes. And any purchase you make on Amazon kicks money back to us, so please give us money. And while we're at while you're at Amazon, why not pick up the Supervillain Handbook or the Supervillain Field Manual? Both are available in paperback or for the Kindle, which is my preferred reading device. Ah. Um, you can also purchase next week's reading uh, via the Comixology links on our site as well. Yeah. While you're at mattbrettlovecomics.com, why not check out some of our back issues, like when we talked to Lauren Hunter about Super Superman Annual Number 11 for the man who has everything, or when we read uh, JLA Number 10315 Rock of Ages with Jason Flowers. Good, good shows. Yeah. Uh, guys, we love hearing from you, so please tell us what you think about the show, uh, this one, or any past episode on our website or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash theylovecomics. <laughs> uh, you can find links to all of our social media presence under the Who Loves Comics tab on the website. Tweet at us on Twitter. Yeah, and if you if you like what you heard here today, please uh, rate and review us on iTunes, um, hound Stitcher, and tell them to repeat program us. Um, kidnap someone oh, and uh, do the uh, do the, the, the Marty McFly <laughs> uh, be Darth, uh, Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan and force them to listen to it. This is all you. I am not endorsing this. this I 100% <laughs> endorse it. Uh, you are also our best spokespeople so when you do kidnap someone make sure you're very nice to them and tell them very gently about the show uh, because that's the best way to spread the word is through word of mouth Indeed. Right. Uh, quick plug with a little bit of overlap. Brett and I's uh, sketch group, Left Handed Radio, just launched a web series with Above Average. Uh, and our first video, Batman is a Terrible Liar, is up now. <laughs> um, you can check that out at youtube.com slash Network. Search for Batman is a Terrible Liar. And, as always, thank you to our producer, Ben Regeeb. Who keeps the show running behind the scenes. Ah, you are the grease that greases our wheels. <laughs> you are the cameraman holding the camera as we turn awkwardly to you. Yeah. Oh, you're the guy that pranked Matt earlier that he pointed at <laughs> yeah. as you ran by. That's what he does. Awesome. Well, Matt, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you, guys. Yeah, and until next time... This, this is, is Matt. Oh, and this is Brett. Yeah, and we love comics. We do. Yeah. Yes, I'm gonna be. You look, you sound exhausted every time you say it. I don't know why I do that. Every time you say it.